Hello, welcome everyone once again to A Reason for Hope. We're very glad that you're joining us, whatever platform you found us on. You are very welcome, A Reason for Hope, in case this is your first time with us. There's an hour-long live broadcast that's guided along by your questions on the, the Bible. You can interact with us by sending your questions in through multiple platforms where we're streaming live. I'll be going over those in just a moment. And uh, we have some guests here who love the Lord, they love the Word, they love to connect you with the Word via your questions on it. And so if you have a question, maybe it's a verse or passage of Scripture that uh, you'd like explained a bit better, maybe something you're going through in your life, something that's come up in your life and you'd like to honor God with your decisions and direction but don't really know how to do that, maybe you'd like some guidance from the Word, what does the Bible say about your circumstances and situations, maybe even Christianity as a whole, maybe you're kind of a seeker and curious about what the Bible says about um, you know the world, life, the universe and everything, maybe even other religions and worldviews as they relate to Christianity, anything along those lines as long as it's uh, an honest question and sincere question, we appreciate that and as long as you know we're getting the answers from the Bible, not our opinions so much as what the Word says as accurately as we can possibly convey that to you. Um, and so do send us your questions in. Like I say, I'll be going over the platforms in a moment. My name's Dave Robson. I'm happy to be your host today. I'll be with you on all those platforms. Check in for your questions with us today because it's a Tuesday here. We have Pastor Bo Willette. He's the assistant pastor here at Calvary Christian Fellowship where we're streaming from. How are you doing today? Doing good. Good. I, I'm stoked to be on with you. Yeah, I am too. And Sean. Yeah. Yeah. Always a guys, good time. Yeah, and you guys are birthday boys. We are birthday boys. Yeah, well, mine so. tomorrow. Sean's on Friday. Did we? He's not going to comment. <laughs> Mama gets the. It is soon. <laughs> it is soon though. But it is soon. Lots of December birthdays. Yeah. yeah. Very exciting. But it's good to have you with us. I know yeah, it's been thanks. a busy day. Yeah. Ministry man, as always, you never know what you're going to be doing. I know. Yeah. That's isn't that crazy though. That's how like our days are sometimes, where yep. you're just knee deep and, um, you know, one minute you're working on budgets the next minute you're in counseling or the yep. next minute you're at a hospital or whatever it is. absolutely yeah <laughs> and people show up because we're here at the church building yeah people can just stop by and that can completely change your, your plans <laughs> yeah, for the day yeah. Yeah. yeah um need to talk about that and that's that's so cool how cool just to be just to be available and ready for yeah i'm really i'm really glad anything. i got this guy on my right though i'm really glad sean's with me today you know especially today because after a day like today then your brain is kind of like warped yeah <laughs> it's, kind of, it's kind of like what am i doing you're right <laughs> and uh you know so all your bible questions you know I'm, we're excited to get them for sure and i'm excited because sean's here too and he's probably rearing and ready to go so Absolutely. sean it's good yeah. to see you man so this is my rearing and ready to go face he's ready he's got the radio should anticipate a quadruple backflip that's right on the inside that's right when sean's wearing red too you know it's super serious yeah Right. So the bad guys can like. see me bleed. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness. Yeah, Sean Richards as well, Pastor Sean Richard, the offspring of Pastor, <laughs> Pastor Scott Richards. The real offspring. Who's there, uh, that's right. <laughs> Next in line to the throne. Yeah, well, I don't know. How was, uh, yesterday no how was yesterday's show with Scott? Um, uh, don't know, Adrian, I wasn't Adrian here. was on. Yeah. Yeah. Were you able to listen to it? Yeah. We, uh, we they covered uh, some pretty interesting topics regarding obviously Israel and a uh, few questions, but left us a lot of leftovers. So. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Good. Yeah. Welcome. Yeah. I know there's a lot going on still in. Uh, or there will be in Israel, and 
you know, I had a great talk with one uh, father whose daughter is kind of on that uh, uh, kind of a little bit of a ta that tangent of uh, Israel, you know, not being uh, doing the right thing. And, you know, but university age, you know, person um, and, you know, it's just it's interesting how university culture just seems to affect young, you know, the young people, man, when they go to U the U, they just get sucked up into it yeah. you know the kind of insanity only a college education could produce yeah totally mm -hmm. and that, that's what college does man it's just it, it's interesting it can really it doesn't pull everybody in it's interesting there's some people that go to college and they can certainly do it and they and they just go to school and they get their degree and they're done right and then there's other people that get kind of sucked into the mm. the overall culture vibe you know to yeah. be kind of in the right you know like yeah. in the right you know societal you know, group or right. something. And so they're, you know, they, they just get really influenced by culture, mm. you know, yeah. on the campus. So. Well, we know this, you know, three sides to <laughs> every story, story yeah. Yeah. the mind, yours, and then the, the truth, yeah, God's totally. truth. And that's what a reason for hope is about. God's and, truth. Yeah. What is that? Yeah. I um, love what Proverbs 30 that. says, and this is uh, a, a word of auger, but the first part's great. Surely I am more stupid than any man and do not have the understanding of a man. Neither have learned wisdom nor have knowledge of the Holy One. And it goes on. It's a wonderful proverb. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> That's great. But yeah, Wise but, man. But, Did I write but, that? Moment? Yeah, but it's amazing how it starts off so honest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and maybe if we just, uh, you know, when we're in university, when we're at the U, you know, maybe if we could just start off with that kind of a proverb in our own mind, right. you know, maybe I just don't know what I'm doing. Right. <laughs> you know, maybe that's the, the, the great starting yeah, spot. Yeah, good baseline. Good baseline. For sure. <laughs> and maybe yeah. they don't know what they're talking about either. Right. <laughs> yeah. But we tend to trust. We trust professors. We trust doctors. We, yeah. But I know that's kind of changing. A lot of people, more people are homeschooling now. I see yeah. pulling kids out of school yeah. um, because of these things. But, but yeah, but please, you know, we're obviously we'll pray also in a moment, but um, this, this show is about God's truth and his word. Yeah. And we absolutely. all, you know, we all want to be corrected and put in line with that if we're not on that track. So, mm. um, but let me uh, go over with you the different ways you can join us. It's, it's good to know the different options that you have one of them fails or you know you want to share that around different ways you can get in touch with us um, as i mentioned reason for hope is a, a live broadcast monday through friday 5 to 6 p.m we are with you here live to take your questions on the bible available for you it's a ministry and outreach of calvary christian fellowship here in tucson arizona so if you're looking for somewhere to worship and get in the word then you're welcome to come check us out of course calvary christian fellowship of tucson we're right near prince and i10 on the west side of the freeway about a block north from there, you'll find us. Um, come along, check us out, calvarychristianfellowship.com. You can get more information there. If you go to that Watch Live tab, anytime we're live, we stream to that page. That will take you out to ccftucson.online.church. You can type that right into your browser too if you'd like to go directly there, ccftucson.online.church, or follow the link from calvarychristianfellowship.com. And we're streaming there live. You'll see the video. You can sign in with the username and then uh, send your question and interact with us through that chat function that's available there. And then when we're offline, you'll see a schedule of upcoming events and uh, a countdown to our next show as well. Looks like it's been a year since I took this uh, screenshot. Maybe I'll uh, update it. That was December last year. That's pretty cool. 
Uh, we're on Facebook as well, live on Facebook. You can join us there and send your question in through the chat function on Facebook. Don't forget to like and share. We'd appreciate uh, that as well. Uh, Facebook.com slash CCF Tucson or just search for Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson and you'll see the banner there with Pastor Scott on it. We have an app for your mobile device as well. Once again, Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson. Download the app to your mobile device and you can watch us that way and interact with us through that method as well. And we have a channel on Roku and Apple TV. Should you want to watch us on your big screen and you have that capability, you can find us there as well. On YouTube, the channel is called A Reason for Hope. And we are live there too. Send your questions in through the uh, chat box. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, it's a great place for archive as well, that live tab. Anytime we've been live, it will archive there automatically. So if you missed a show or you want to uh, recap on something, it's all right there for you. We also post other videos to um, YouTube as well, questions of the week and other content. So do check that out, A Reason for Hope on YouTube. Our pastor, senior pastor here, Scott Richards, is on Twitter as well. That's a great place to keep um, more immediate uh, updates on things going on in Israel and around the world, especially as they relate to end times and biblical prophecy and that kind of thing. So follow along with Scott, Scott R4H, that's Scott, letter R number four, letter H on Twitter, if you'd like to follow along with him and his commentary there. We're on Rumble as well, not live, but we post video content if you're on the Rumble platform, A Reason for Hope Bible Q&A. And our email address is questionsforhope at gmail.com. Questionsforhope spelled out at gmail.com should you want to send us your question in that method as well. If you're listening on the radio, you'll want to keep that email address in mind. You're listening to the last show that we did pre-recorded. We're not live on the radio, but all those other platforms, we are live. So questionsforhope at gmail.com. Send your question in and then we'll get to it on our next show lord willing so whatever platform you join us on we're so glad that you are there again your questions provide our content we're going to get right into questions i believe so do send them in early i'll be checking all those platforms and we look forward to what's on your heart today why don't we pray Bo? would you like to pray yes for us before we go any further absolutely let's get into do it. it yeah Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity uh, to get into your word. And we thank you that your word is that lamp unto our feet, the light unto our path. You say blessed are those who take hold of it. So we certainly want to take hold of it today. Uh, be with everybody listening and bless them, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Mm. Amen. 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 Well, uh, let's jump right into questions. What do you think? Yep. Yeah, Dan? Yes. All right. We had a question from Taylor came in to our uh, email address questions for hope at gmail.com hey taylor what's up yeah what does first uh, samuel 2 11 mean uh, that ministered to the lord what does it mean to minister to the lord that's a great question i like the sound of that you yeah. can minister to god yeah at the time of the judges um this was before solomon's temple but obviously after the time of moses any service done unto the lord by a priest he was under the care of eli the priest at the time second to last judge of israel and not a very good one by the way um basically he'd be fulfilling the responsibilities of service in the tabernacle which meant they would be required to prepare and to keep the lampstand lit in the tabernacle at all times they would need to be able to i'm sure as a little guy he wasn't handling the beef as closely and if you remember Eli at the end of his life he was a big guy so he probably handled the sacrifices more closely but uh, disposing of and uh, cleaning the garments regularly just doing the often end jobs 
around the tabernacle, maybe even getting into sewing and repairing anything that would be caused by weather, wear, and tear. But the point of the passage is that Samuel would be, in a sense, living with and adopted by Eli for all intents and purposes, that when his mother was given a child after being barren for so long, she said, I dedicate his life to you. So we see him essentially serving in the temple where he was needed, just fill in the blank as far as responsibilities. We see other individuals like, uh, for example, Hannah in the book of Luke chapter 2 was a woman, uh, ministered to the Lord during the time Jesus was a little guy. And that was, of course, something that would just be wherever she was needed. Uh, people were able to volunteer both in and outside of the tribe of Levi, and noting that Samuel himself was put in this voluntary position, that's what that service meant. They were just available to do what needed to be done. In modern-day equivalent, it would be that you mopped the floors, you picked up the trash, you cleaned the windows, you did what needed to be done. But it freed up guys like Eli and the other priests to in a sense, I suppose, do what they ought to be focusing on, but as we see, they didn't. So God uh, took them out two chapters later, and <laughs> it wasn't pretty, but that's what Samuel was doing, just being available to what God had to do for him, and it was in the tabernacle. Yeah, and so the tabernacle was a place that uh, was called the Tent of Meeting, and so uh, it was a place where God would meet with his people. So whenever you ministered in the tabernacle, you were ministering unto the Lord because the Lord, it was the place of meeting. Um, it was the place where, uh, in a sense, God would um, have fellowship with his people. So anything that was required to be done in the tabernacle was obviously unto the Lord, you know. So uh, ministering unto the Lord. In the same way, wives, submit to your husbands as what? Unto the Lord. Unto the Lord. Yeah. See, you see the same parallel. Right. So just as Samuel was, uh, or, um, uh, yeah, uh, Samuel was ministering unto the Lord, uh, to the Lord. Mm. Um, so that's how all of our service should be. It yeah. should be unto the Lord. Right. We're ministering unto the Lord. Yeah. So, uh, um, so if you wanted to see kind of how that works in our lives, you know, uh, I mean, you could see a New Testament example in wives submitting to your husbands as unto the Lord. Right. Um, and, and so our actions in the Christian life should be ones that are unto the Lord, yeah. um, ultimately unto the Lord. Yeah. And so whatever we're doing, we do to the glory of God. Right. We're doing it unto the Lord. Right. Um, so it's it's not just something that's in the Old Testament. That's my point. It's it, the, this theme is carried out throughout the Bible. Right. And so, um, you know, uh, in a sense, our lives we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Mm. So our life is to be uh, one that's dedicated unto the Lord. Yeah. You know. And isn't that a great um, mindset to have? You know, because often we can do things for people you know some or, i mean not i don't mean to serve people but do something for a certain response you know or we mm -hmm. love people because we want to be loved back or we you know we do something for praise or you know yeah. and then that can lead to bitterness when we don't get that response like well i did this that and the other for you i did all this you ungrateful so and so like yeah. da, 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 da. it leads to that mm -hmm. instead of doing it unto the lord and that's where your rewards that's from. where your rewards from so whether you thank me or not whether you throw it in my face or not hey it's unto the lord 
yeah doesn't really it doesn't matter i'm doing it unto him you can't really change that yeah you know? So just in Samuel's day, you had a tent of meeting. So, you know, it was kind of a serious deal because there was this glory of God that would appear and it was pretty intense, yeah. you know? Um, and so, uh, you know, sometimes we kind of forget that, you know, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit mm. and that uh, our, our work, in a sense, is unto the Lord ultimately. Right. Yeah, you know, we are, in a sense, he's tabernacled with us. Right. You know, that's what... Jesus has done. He's yeah. tabernacled with us, and now he's in us. And so uh, uh, that's a, just a, a further part of the study of this idea mm. of, of doing what you're doing unto the Lord. Right. He ministered to the Lord. And mm. so if I'm going to submit to one another out of the fear of the Lord, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 says, fear, uh, submit to one another out of the fear of the Lord. Mm. Uh, we are to do that unto the Lord, yep. you know? So in general, my submission is to be unto the Lord. Yeah. Um, and so hopefully you see all of your Christian action like that. You know, why am I nice to this person? Because it's under the Lord. Yeah. You know, um, why am I kind? Why am I loving? Why am I admonishing this person? It's under the Lord. Right. You know, I want to uphold God's truth yeah. in their life. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. Amen. Great. Hope that helps. Yeah. Hope it does. Thank you, Taylor. Maybe it helps someone see Ephesians uh, 5, 21 and 22 a little different. Okay. Yep. You know? Right. So. Right. Great. Well, Taylor, thank you. Hope that helps you out. It's a great, great topic. <laughs> I, love, I love that look by Sean. That's the look of, okay, next question. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure. Not sure what that look means. It means something. My left shoulder is in pain. You could write, oh, I, I wouldn't have guessed that. I wouldn't have guessed that. Uh, question from Mike. Uh, thanks, Mike, for your question and for joining us. And again, send your questions in. Um, we would love to receive them and get to them today. Uh, Mike says, evening all, evening to you too. Can you help me understand Matthew 15, verses 22 through 28? I can read that in a moment. Why was Jesus unwilling to help the woman at first? Was he testing her faith? She seemed to know who he was and believed in him. So I can read the, the, uh, the section. Cool. Matthew 15, 22 through 28. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, <clears throat> O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. So, so why? Why was Jesus unwilling to help the woman at first? Was he testing her faith, or what else was going on? Well, I think the mistake a lot of people make with God testing us is that the test is somehow supposed to cause us or put us in a position to fail. When we see the whole conversation, we can understand what Jesus' intention was, because he ends up giving her a compliment that Jesus 
never once gave his earthly disciples during his earthly ministry, and that's telling. The word faith, pistis in Greek, means trust with reason. And for anyone to have reason to trust the God of Israel, the Messiah who would literally be that God made flesh in their midst. This is who the disciples were believing him to be. Yet, interestingly enough, you read both before and after this, they had reason to believe that he was who he was. This Gentile, this non-Hebrew woman, was not only a Canaanite, but had somehow put herself in a position where her daughter was demon-possessed. Now, we're not told if it was because of an offering that she made or just uh, victims of circumstance or what, but this was permitted just like other things, the man being born blind in John chapter 9, for instance. And this was ultimately to demonstrate not just to her what she already knew, so didn't need to happen, but to show to the disciples something they had to be reminded of time and time and time again, and that was what? That non-Hebrew people can also be ministered to by the Hebrew Messiah. And this is brought up in Scripture so often because it was the controversy of the early church. And so bringing up these issues of can non-Hebrew people believe in the Hebrew Messiah, they had direct examples during his life, and the Holy Spirit inspired and drew special attention to them so that they would understand that. Mm -hmm. And we're told in the Gospel of John chapter 20 many other things that Jesus did, but if all of them were written, the whole earth (laughs) couldn't contain the books that should be written. But these things are written that you may believe. So in addressing that controversy and dealing with the issue of can non-Hebrew people be ministered to, or do they have to become Jewish? This Canaanite woman had more faith than all the disciples put together, first Mm -hmm. off. Secondly, she understood and persisted in something that, just like with the blind men or the lepers, when the disciples wanted to send them away, Jesus didn't. And that's also important, because motive is often attributed to Jesus in this passage, and saying he wants nothing to do with that quote-unquote female dog. They'll use the other word for it. We have a profane word for it, an insult. But they'll read that into the text, despite the page just referring to a household pet, a puppy. But they'll still accuse sexism regardless. So be prepared for that, and uh, don't get shocked when they use words that I won't on air. But the point of emphasis is, where did the conversation end? What was the driving point? Jesus paid her a compliment that he never did to his disciples. Mm. Jesus demonstrated something that would be relevant in the book of Acts during the time of the early church. And from this example, what happened? She was delivered that very hour, which not only proves Jesus' deity, his authority over supernatural spirits, but even more importantly, that non-Hebrew people can in fact be ministered to by the Hebrew Messiah. And you may think that this is like breaking new ground. It's not. Going as far back as the book of Deuteronomy, but most directly in the book of Isaiah, it notes that of the Messiah himself, all nations would come and hear his law. All nations would bow before him. The coastlands would come to hear his law. And that was referencing nations outside of Israel. Hebrews didn't want much to do with the sea because that was Philistine territory, literally. So understand that. Jesus isn't insulting her. Jesus wasn't neglecting her. He was giving an object lesson, not to her. She already knew what Jesus could do and would do. That's why she made the journey. But the disciples didn't. Mm. Not that he couldn't heal her, but that he wouldn't minister to her because of her ethnicity. And Jesus, as we see, and from the 
takeaways that his followers also took from Galatians chapter uh, 2, I believe, to start. There, there is neither Jew nor Greek, barbarian nor Scythian, slave or free, man or woman. You're all one in Christ Jesus. So in this, we see basically the foundations of what we take for granted in our culture today, the assumption that cultural barriers, ethnic barriers, gender-based barriers, Jesus doesn't recognize those. But in order to get through to the disciples, which is the point, he had to let them ultimately demonstrate their heart before he could demonstrate hers mm. and prove hers by letting her speak for herself. I'll take anything if it's from you. Jesus mm. is pointing to her saying, you see that, guys? You have the whole banquet with me and you won't take a crumb. Yeah. She's willing to take a crumb. She's going to get the banquet. That's the point. Mm. Yeah, and I love what Sean's saying. I think this this is, I've done some sermons over the years in this section. I just think it's awesome. And um, I love that Jesus remains silent. Um, the Mark's account of this Syrophoenician lady is that she is begging. The word ask in the Greek means to beg mm. over and over. So this is obviously an irritant to the disciples um, of this, this non-Jewish person begging Jesus mm. over and over and over, and they're just kind of irritated. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're getting tired of this woman doing yeah. this. You know? I kind of see it like, almost like maybe a you know a Hollywood star with their you know their minders and their and a crowd of people yeah. wanting the autographs, and you always see they're trying to yeah you know sometimes the the star is like it's okay I'll do it, and the rest are like you know with time or whatever. Like yeah. sometimes I picture it almost like that. The disciples are like. You know, give him space, give him time. Don't yeah. have time for you. You're, yeah. a, you know, like that the kind kids. Of, yeah, like, yeah, like the little children come to me. Exactly, like yeah. with the children. Yeah, they're trying to uh, it, keep them away from him. Yeah, and it's always like, like Sean's saying, it's always a lesson uh, for us to understand how the disciples are responding. So sometimes we read these narratives and we go, oh, the the Syrophoenician lady is the main character. Yeah. And we kind of forget that uh, it might not be the main character. The main character might be the disciple's mm. reaction, right. you know, and, and, and we see that over and over and over um, in these different narratives, meaning the emphasis is on how the disciples are reacting. Mm. But what I find fascinating about Jesus's uh, silence is, is just his patience, you know, um, his ability to be patient in the midst of very um, high stress people that want an answer right now. Hmm. And Jesus remains patient. And I find that very cool. And I find it interesting that Jesus is always the rabbi. He's forever teaching. His hmm. patience isn't a, his silence isn't a, a lack of an indifference. His silence is what are, how are the disciples gonna respond? Yeah, you know, it's calculated. Yeah, it's calculated, you know, and um, and and that's convicting in a lot of ways. I mm -hmm. think to me as a minister is like sometimes when someone has a high stress situation, you want to try to fix it. Yeah, and and instead of being calculated in being patient yeah. and in prayer over that situation. Yeah, and and maybe there's something a, a lesson here for others. Uh, you know, Jesus could have easily just, uh, when this lady first said, when she first started begging, Jesus just could have said, yeah, it, you know, you know, you got great faith here, you're healed. And it would have, uh, and there wouldn't have been this teaching moment. 
you know, for the disciples. But there was a teaching moment that became very profound. Mm. Um, and there was a important doctrine that needed to be brought to light. Mm. And that's the one Sean's talking about, that salvation has come to all people. And in order for that message to come out very clearly, there needed to be this patience and there needed to be this reaction from the disciples, yeah. which, which if Jesus wasn't patient, might not have even took place. Right. And so it is very calculated, his, his patience. And sometimes it's best for us to be patient and, and wait on the Lord, mm. you know, and not be so reactionary yeah. that maybe God's doing something bigger. Right. You know, and and our reactionary responses um, are very not are not calculated at all. Yeah. You know, um, so I find the master at work here in a very cool way. Right. You know, yeah. um, but the subject of salvation by grace through faith to all people is quite crucial, yeah. and it to the Messiah's coming. Yeah. And so that is that is the doctrine that's first and primary that yeah. needs to stand out. Right. And so Jesus definitely acts in a way that it would stand out. Yeah. And like you mentioned, Sean, the, the word says, you know, Jesus did many things that if you were to document, it would be a library like you wouldn't believe. So how yeah. much more rich what we do have, like you said, there was teaching in it, you know, um, if this, if this has been boiled down to what, has endured, you know, to us in His Word. Then how rich must that be? Yeah. Where everything is, there's there's something to learn in that. You know, it's not just oh this happened and that happened. You know, it's like um, Jesus was teaching, you know, in many ways. So, yeah, always cool. the rabbi. I mean, even on the cross, right. he's still teaching, right? My yeah. God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I mean, even quoting Psalm 22, quoting yeah. Psalm 22 to an audience that taught their students, quoting the first verse, that they'd continue to read it and realize, oh, that's being fulfilled. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So Jesus is forever the teacher. Right. He's he's instructing the audience, the Jewish audience out there, yeah. to remember the Psalms. Yeah. You know, I mean, unbelievable. Very cool. You know, could you imagine dying and being like so cognitive, so aware that you're. Like, hey, I'm going to instruct everybody right now on what's happening. Yeah, you no. Know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd be thinking of myself. And yeah, <laughs> totally. Uh, yeah. Yes, way before that. Great question, Mike. Yeah, it was indeed. Thank you, Mike. Hope that, that helps you out. Um, question from Marsha. Uh, what is meant by quenching the Holy Spirit? Quenching the Holy Spirit. Throwing some fire. Or throwing yes. some water on the fire. Yeah. yeah. Is that, can we quench the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit's God. Yeah, well, quench him. that's the uh, double-edged sword of free will. When it comes to that term being used, there's a few places. Probably the one you're referencing is in 1 Thessalonians 5. It's a part of a longer conversation, but I'll just read the full sentence. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not pr despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. So in this cluster of verses, we see an instruction that mentions one spiritual gift of many, specifically prophecies, not to be despised or to be considered irrelevant, but to test them. Hold fast what is good, so form conclusions, judge, remember that word, and then form an appropriate response to it. If it's from God, great. If not, then you can despise it now. But, excuse me, the point being made in quenching the Spirit is like Bo was saying, 
It's the word in Greek for literally snuffing out or putting a lid on a fire. And so if we have the opportunity for God to work in our midst, the encouragement is to not hinder that work. Uh, People oftentimes will take this as leeway to do things out of order or disruptively, but fortunately 1 Corinthians 14 still exists, not to do these things uh, out of order, but decently and in order, for God is not the author of confusion, but for peace. So if God is working, then it's going to be testable. It's going to be verifiable. It's going to line up with his word. And we could note in 1 Thessalonians 5, he mentions a few spiritual gifts, but let's just go back to the source. 1 Corinthians 12, what are some of the spiritual gifts that can be of use or that God said he will use in his body? We have gifts of healings. We have gifts of teachings. We have gifts of hospitality, administrations, also of tongues, also of interpretations of tongues, plenty of other things. But in these, to quench the Spirit would be to limit the capacity for them to work, to make sure that the heat can't be felt, so to speak. If God wants to work through someone's life, then obviously they're putting themselves forward as a conduit of that, and that requires verification. We don't and shouldn't take that lightly. But if it is then verified, and we'll talk about how in a second, then it should be fully permitted because God's in fact the one working. And that's why, Dave, you made that point. Not just could you restrain God, but why would you want to restrain God? If he's working, then that's obviously something good that's happening there. So if you don't want to restrain a good thing, how do you recognize the good from the evil, like verse 21 of 1 Thessalonians 5 says? Well, let's ask ourselves the question. If someone in a gift of teaching, for instance, let's start at 1 Corinthians 12, Uh, says, I am telling you guys, this is a gift of prophecy. Uh, Jesus was a false prophet, and he's been a curse to hell. And it says right here in the Talmud, this is a new revelation, that he was actually the illegitimate child of a Roman soldier. Well, yes, the Talmud does say, say that. That's Talmud Sanhedrin 63. But if you ask yourselves the question, okay, well, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 3 says, no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one calls Jesus Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So no one who's speaking by the Spirit is going to say what you just said, (laughs) right? So God's not speaking. I verified with his word something that's conflicting with his word, or at least is being presented alongside of it. I judge that this is not from God. I'm quenching that, not because it's the Spirit, but because it's not, (laughs) and that's the point. Let's look at another stat. Um, You see the prosperity gospel teachings and stuff, people, quote-unquote, being healed, all these uh, bizarre signs and wonders and so forth, Uh, gold dust falling from the air conditioning vents and all that fun stuff. But let's focus on the healing. People say, you know, no, I, I legitimately had this sort of malady. It was not something psychosomatic or something emotional. I had a legitimate injury, and I was healed as a result of this person's teaching. Mm. Well, all well and good (laughs) as far as your experience at that church was concerned, but are there instances—notice, testing all things, right? Am I going to quench the Spirit here, or am I going to quench not the Spirit here? This is what we're trying to discern. That's what the whole conversation was about. Don't quench the Spirit, quench the not Spirit. Mm. Was your healing— because of this man's teachings, or in spite of these man's teachings? Mm-hmm. Did the healing verify his words, or did the healing simply occur because God is good to us, 
and can even work in the midst of these false environments. Mm-hmm. Your faith was in God, and so he healed you. This teacher tried to take credit for it, and he'll answer to God for that someday, but let's verify it. Are there instances in Scripture where someone was healed because not necessarily they were doing the right thing, but because God was the object of their faith? Absolutely. The woman who had an issue of blood on the way to healing uh, Jairus' daughter. What happened? She said, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I, I I grab those tassels, then I know I'll be healed. She was. Jesus stopped everything and made sure nobody left, even though they were on the way to do something a little important, and say, make sure that she understands exactly why she was healed. Mm. Woman, your faith has made you well. Why was that important to understand? Because it's not the tassel ministry that healed her. (laughs) It was the fact she was focusing on Jesus, not his close. So applying that to the healing, what am I quenching? The false teacher saying, okay, his teaching doesn't line up with God's word. You're not all gods. Yeah. His teaching doesn't line up with all with God's word. God isn't Santa Claus, and you can demand of him to coerce to your will. Yeah. But you were healed. So doesn't that make everything great? No. Test all things. Yeah. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Uh, for the sake of time, I think I can just cap it off there. But in the sense of spiritual gifts, don't quench the spirit. Judging them, then testing all things yeah. based on God's word, understand what you are to quench, not the spirit, and then that's the point. Yeah, gotcha. Anything yeah. to add to that? Yeah, I think Paul does kind of a similar style of talking in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, where when he's talking about kind of this confusion that people can have within the body of Christ when spiritual gifts are um, misused, he has a passage in verse 32 where he says, the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Meaning it's not just some, it's an interesting passage because it means that it's not just like some spirit takes over in your life and you become something, you know, like I couldn't help it. You know, you can't, you can't, that's what Paul's trying to say no to. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. That's right. The spirits of the prophets, uh, meaning the the work of the prophets are, is, is called the spirit, the God working in those prophets is called the spirits of the prophets is subject to the prophet, meaning it should be something controlled by right. the work of the human being. Yeah. It's not something that's just, again, an, uh, uh, like an, uh, it's not like something that the Corinthian church was very much riddled, um, or let me say this, Corinth was a, a location, an area that was very much riddled by all kinds of interesting pagan worship practices. Yeah. And along with that was a lot of loud, it, uh, just over-the-top religious experience. Mm. And so when Christians, when people became Christians in Corinth, it was very easy for them to bring in a very, uh, 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 like, God took over me, right. and I became... I couldn't even control it. Yeah. And Paul would be, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't the Spirit of God. That's yeah. not. That's not it. And that's something that's like hard for a lot of churches to understand, yeah. that Paul is saying that the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Yeah. So there is a human element of control mm. to what's going on, mm. right? So when it says, don't quench the Spirit, there is a a responsibility of human beings yeah. uh, when it comes to spiritual matters. Mm. 
you know, so it's not just something that I didn't know what happened. I, it came right. upon me. It just took over. Yeah. No, you have the ability to quench the spirit and you have the ability to allow the spirit to move. Yeah. And, you, you know, uh, you see this uh, all the time, even in the book of 1 John 4, 1, beloved, do not believe every spirit right? But test the spirits, whether they are of God, and mm. then it goes into how that looks. Mm. But uh, again, that idea of we have an ability as human beings, as human agents, to work in, alongside with the work of the Holy Spirit, yeah. and uh, in these, this, this spiritual context yeah. that we're in called the Church. Yeah. So it's not, the church isn't to be like a pagan worship center that's just very loud and very confusing yeah. of just religious weird behavior. And, and so that is something that Paul is trying to um, really help these Roman citizens mm. that are in these different places like Thessalonica or Corinth. Mm-hmm. To help them understand that worshiping God is is not this existential thing. It's yeah. not this thing that it's out there and it overtakes you. Yeah. And you have no like clue. A possession. It's like a possession thing. No, there's a a control that we have, yeah. and we're working alongside the work of, of the Holy Spirit within us. Mm. So it's a different kind of relationship yeah. um, than what they were used to in that uh, kind of pagan culture right so yeah and you still find that today you still find churches like that that right slain in the spirit and right kind of thing where there's a a a very interesting i uh take right it's almost Mm. like an adopt adopting of a lot of interesting kind of pagan paganism Mm. you know of over-the-top religious experiences that are uncontrollable yeah you know and uh, remember, the fruit of the Spirit is, when it says don't quench the, whole, the Spirit, well, the fruit of the Spirit is what? Self-control. Self-control, self-control yeah. is in there, right? Yeah. Yeah, so if you have no self-control, and you're just like, well, it overtook me, yeah. no, that's a, an adopting of something that's foreign yeah. to, I think, the Jewish mind. Yeah. That idea of that. God is doing something that has just taken over you and you have no clue what's going on. You have no agency, right. you know, wow. as a human being. So yeah. hopefully that helps. Yeah. And then there's the equal and opposite error of saying, no, we don't uh, have spiritual gifts in this church. Well, right. That, that would be sinful. Yeah, right. and, and no, there is spiritual gifts. We want to acknowledge spiritual yeah. gifts. Absolutely. Again, but what we're saying when we say, hey, we want to work with, you know, what God's revealed in spiritual gifts is to say, hey, God has given us uh, agency to work with or against, mm. you know, to fight or, you know, to walk in the fruit of the Spirit or in the not so fruit of the yeah. flesh. <laughs> I guess. Recognize you... the difference through his word. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, very good. Great discussion there. Yeah, um, very good question. Yeah, great question. Thanks, Marsha, for that question. Hope that helps you out, helps me out too, helps us all out. Uh, question from Eve. Great question here. What are the basic pointers for sharing the word with other people? How should we approach an individual? I had a thing recently, an old uh, high school friend of mine um, who was going through, I just saw through 
social media was going through a difficult time and um i we were sort of chatting a bit and um i said you know i'd like to send you a book you know like he knows i'm a christian he knows i'm a pastor and uh would love to if i sent you a book would you read it and and he said no i you know i'm gonna stick to whatever and then it kind of <laughs> cut off the relationship and i was like man it's no that was so subtle i thought you know but but how do is there an effective way to share we want to share obviously we want to be a witness and share the word are there approaches that we should um avoid or do or what's an effective way well i think before a single steps even made the best way to avoid disappointment or discouragement is to avoid unreasonable goals in the conversation if i have the goal of doing something that God was going to do anyway, then I'm setting myself up for success because that's going to happen one way or another. If I set the goal up for, I'm going to lead this person to Christ, well, first off, that's not going to happen because the Spirit's the one who leads them to Christ. You can be potentially a vessel for that. But again, that's not always going to happen. You set yourself up for disappointment. Yeah. I'm going to encourage this person. They may not receive what you have to say. Yeah. I'm going to fill in the blank. Make sure that when you go into the conversation, you're just going to say, you know what, I'm going to do what God wants me to do in this, even if it's just to be a listening ear, and that will spare you the heartache. So what if put in an opportunity for evangelism, once we got the prerequisites out of the way, is best to do? Well, first, know what you're talking about. Study first, not only to show yourself approved, as Paul said to his disciples, but even more importantly, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, body, and strength. If we understand what we have to share, then we don't have to be as anxious about answering difficult questions, but that's just kind of a side issue. When we're talking, excuse me, to people, another interesting, uh, I guess, lost art in the era of social media is not to talk at people, but to people. When you say, how do I deal with someone individually? It's as an individual. It may seem like a given, but it's, like I said, a lost art. We're very used to communication without accountability or context, so we can just roughshod our opinion in, think that it'll be regarded, and then get surprised when it's met with vitriol and profanity. And that's more than often going to be the case as the days grow darker. But the point being made is, if someone's in an emotional state, take the time to consider that and let it guide the conversation. If they're sad, weep with those who weep. If they're rejoicing, rejoice with those who rejoice. Don't be a bummer, and don't be the ever so unhelpful person of saying, come on, give me a smile, show me those teeth doesn't help. And it, of course, is going to irritate the person, and then they'll associate that irritation with whatever subject you happen to bring up next, which unfortunately will probably be the gospel. So avoid that. Uh, another interesting thing is if you're in a position in your life, and this is, again, before the conversation even starts, where you've harbored the kind of reputation as someone that most people don't want to hear these things from, if you're living one way and you're the words that you would want to be saying at this moment would tell a different story. Don't fall in line with the Second Samuel, I think it's 11 passage, where Nathan told Daniel, it is because of you the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles. So 
make sure that the message and the messenger line up. Make sure that you consider this is a person I'm talking to, not a concept or idea. Regard their emotions, their personal state, and meet them where they are at. And then, of course, make sure that you know what you're talking about. But if you then have that opportunity and they bring up questions, understand that there's nothing wrong with being able to say, if it's in fact the case, you know, I want to give you a good answer about that. Could I check up on that and get back to you on this. Then you've got two conversations for the half price of one. I call that a good deal. But if you're in a situation where, you know, just random person on the street, random person on the bus, random person, you know, just wherever you happen to be, and you got opens the door for you to be an encouragement to someone on top of reasonable goals, be willing to acknowledge reasonable boundaries. Um, I've had conversations with people in movie theaters, for instance, where they asked me a question about the Bible. I started to answer, and they literally told me to my face, stop. Mm. It was weird, <laughs> but I respected that boundary, and I didn't hold any fault for myself in saying it because I was just telling the person what I thought about right. Jesus. And as things were going on, they came back, and they asked another question. I started to answer it. They said, stop. <laughs> and I stopped. Now, I don't know where they're at in their walk with God. I don't know what bizarre social interactions they've had to think that's the way that you talk back to people was. Yeah. But I didn't hold it against them because I was just there to be an example of God's heart. I didn't uh, go into the conversation hoping to finish a sentence because I'd be disappointed if I did. Right. If you have the opportunity to be used by God, understand and... Uh, make this reference as long as I can. Is it in Zechariah chapter 4? Uh, Do not despise, or who has, quote-unquote, despised the day of small things. Mm -hmm. Don't underestimate even yeah. the most casual mention or demonstration of God's Word, even if you just happen to be the nice guy in the room who also happens to be a Christian. You don't have to get the gospel presentation yeah. out every time, not saying don't, but if the opportunity is appropriate, consider that. If the individual can appropriately receive it, consider that. But just talk to the person. Be there for the person. And God can use that a lot more than a, uh, uh, you know, a full uh, dissertation from uh, Leonard Ravenhill on how a man's prayer life is directly proportionate to his relationship with God, and they don't even know what prayer means. Right. So... Talk to the person, not at them. Set reasonable goals for the conversation. Let God sort out the rest. Match emotions. Take that into consideration. Don't hold it against you based off of how they treat you. Just make sure if there is a jerk in the conversation, it's them. <laughs> and I'd say uh, you won't go too far wrong, but especially a study to show yourself approved. Do homework first, then you will be prepared. And also note that it's not wrong to be able to say, can I get back to you on that? Because yeah. even in this uh, social media age, there are people who will be give, willing to give you a lot more grace if you admit you don't know something than just make something up. Absolutely. Yeah. Anything to add, Sapa? You, I mean, it's a great question. I I think you should be praying for people um, all the time. It says pray without ceasing. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, praying uh, every day for the lost uh, makes you an effectual mm -hmm. uh, person. Uh, um, uh, I loved the idea that uh, being effectual uh, or effective is not is not about them agreeing or disagreeing with you. Uh, it's about you uh, honoring God's word mm. and and the love 
that the Holy Spirit gives you for people. And that's what that's what it is. If you're walking in the Holy Spirit, man, it's going to have an effect. Yep. It, it, it'll God will sort out what that effect's going to look like, you know. But if you're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and loving people and being kind to them, and you know, uh, bearing the fruits of the Holy Spirit, it will have an effect. Yeah. Um, in their life. Yeah, I've so, seen that on again, you know social media keeping in touch with friends from years ago and 5,000 right. miles away yeah um you know kids that would mock me back then for being a christian and then over years you know decades reaching out to me hey i'm yeah. going through this would you pray yeah. you know like yeah. it's happened quite a few times yeah. and you just keep loving and you yeah. just continue to stay in their life and the stay walk. in their life yeah. and be doing what you're doing and and that's a big big part of it you know, yeah. the the only practical thing that I that hits me in this uh, the, this kind of conversation is our answer is is let people talk, mm. and if you know, let people talk, and find something that's a common denominator. Mm. You know, if people are into music, man, I'm always hitting on music. If people are into art, hey, let's talk about art. Yeah, and I have a way of you know, uh, bringing kind of the Christian culture into that field. Mm. Science, you're into science, great. You know, we can talk about, you know, I can bring Christian science people, not Christian science, you know what I mean, but into that (laughs) conversation. You know, so finding a common denominator, something that people are into. Because when people are into something, they love to chat about it. Yeah. You know, and if you can get them chatting about something that they're into, uh, man, then who knows where that conversation yeah. can go? Yeah. You know, it can get really cool. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I think sometimes we jump the gun yeah. instead of just, you know, saying, hey, what are you into? And they go, man, I'm into this. Yeah. Man, tell me about it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, my, my, my son, my 15-year-old, he's kind of quiet guy. Mm-hmm. But the other day I picked him up from the mall and he was in REI. He's into, cli- <laughs> he's into climbing right now. Right. He would not stop talking <laughs> this, that, this carabiner, yeah, that, da, yeah. da, da, climb. I was like, whoa, okay, this is where I need to connect with my son. Yeah, and then you say, Jesus climbed. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Moses climbed. Climbed that mountain. Yeah. <laughs> yep, and he carried a cross. Yeah. Yeah. Very That's good. That's cool. I almost crushed my belay, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't <laughs> even know what that is. That'll be me. That'll be me pretty it's soon. The guy handling the rope to oh, support yeah, you in case yeah. you slip. Yeah. Yeah. Well, real quick, um, we had a question from Mac D about the definition of sin, but I remember we answered that question yeah, last, last week. week. I don't know if you remember what day it was. I know Pastor Scott was here. Yep. So it was, I think, um, simply put, Wednesday, though. Thursday. Yeah, simply put, yeah. though, sin is... Sin means to miss the mark. It is not uh, exclusively defined by unbelief, but unbelief would be an example of it. There's God's nature, and there's not that. That's what we mean by sin. Sin, in a general sense, just means to miss, whether you intend it or not. There's another term, trespass, which means to sin with a high hand. You deliberately missed it. But either way, when God dealt with our sin, it means he's dealt with the separation between us and his nature, that what we were created to reflect. Yeah. So, Macdy, if you look through, I think Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, if you scrub through, you'll, you'll probably find that question. But he had another question about the show The Chosen, which will probably take us home in <laughs> a couple of minutes. But um, is it bad, or could it be helpful in encouraging Bible reading and edifying? I know, I know people who love The Chosen. I know Pastor yeah. Scott's yeah. not too keen about yeah, there's it. A, no, there's a guy in the church that he always tells me about The Chosen. I finally watched it, and, you know, me personally, I... I 
I had I enjoyed having it on and, yeah. and watching it, you know, things. But you just got to know it for what it is, and I guess uh, that's not the Bible. That's the big yeah. It's right. not it's not this per se. It's just a it's just a show. Yeah, you know, and it's got a lot of inferences and what ifs, and you know, maybe this is the way it was, maybe not, you know, those, those yeah. kind of things. Yeah. So I, Sometimes I never. Sometimes in the realm of blasphemy. Yeah, really, man, that's <laughs> oh, yeah. tough. Well, yeah, that's. But you know, I think there's always things like you know those shows that come out and they just they have, um, you know, there's a lot of people that have never read the Bible. Yeah. That might watch the Chosen or something like that, and it might really they might really be taken to it. Right. You know, um, I think you just never want to replace your the word of God with the show, whether it's the yep. chosen or anything else. Yep. But um, yeah, yeah. And that's something that that Mac uh, commented. It would you know, is it would it encourage Bible reading and edify? You know, and I'm I'm someone that likes you know skin put on things. Yeah. You know, uh, Passion of the Christ and things like that. It brings it to life for me. But like you said earlier, with another question, testing. All things. All of it. Yes. Yeah. I'm really checking these things out. So yeah. yeah. When it comes to any artistic portrayal of Jesus or any historical event for that matter, there's going to be some things they get right, some things they don't, and other times where they're outright putting things in there that weren't. And the biggest challenge for Bible teachers is dealing with the assumptions people make before reading the Bible. And I think the Chosen, like the Passion of the Christ and many other noble attempts to put the Bible with skin on have ended up creating more obstacles than they resolve. The point is, if you're going to watch The Chosen, make sure you understand you're watching The Chosen, you're not reading the Bible. Because like most oftentimes things, in most cases, the only thing they'll get right are the names. Right. So do both. Watch the show, read the Bible. And understand the difference. And ask questions, and you'll be okay. God bless you guys. <laughs> Thank you for your questions. We'll see you tomorrow, same time, same place. You've been listening to A Reason for Hope. Thank you again for joining us as we continue our journey through God's Word one question of the heart at a time. Until we meet again, we would love to connect with you. You can text or email your questions to questionsforhope at gmail.com. You can also find out more about our ministry at calvarychristianfellowship.com. And be sure to join us next time on A Reason for Hope. A Reason for Hope is an outreach ministry of Calvary Christian Fellowship in Tucson, Arizona.